Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. es las semanas tres de nuestra sería la vida bendecida this is the third week of our series called a blessed life once again we are talking about a blessed life not a blessed wallet or a blessed bank account amen no estamos tomando un billetera bendecida o uno uh, cuenta bancaria bendecida. This is a blessed life, everybody. Esta es una vida bendecida. Week one, semana uno, we learned that generosity is all about the heart. The corazón. God is interested in your money. What you mean? God don't need my money. I didn't say God needs it. I said he's interested in it. Big difference. Why is God interested in, his, in, in your money? Because he's interested in you. How do I know? Because Luke 12, 34 says this. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Anybody ever invest in anything? Watch this principle. If you don't put blood, sweat, tears, and finances into something... When, when something happens to it, you'll let go of it very easy, right? So, for instance, if, if you just met somebody and you know them for three days and they decide they don't want, want to be with you anymore, it don't bother you. I didn't put much into it anyway, right? You try dating or maybe being married to somebody for 15 years, blood, sweat, tears, fights, all kinds of good stuff. And then when you talk about leaving, you're like, wait a minute, I done fought too hard. I done put too much into this relationship to quit now. You've invested. Investments. You, you got an apartment. You live in an apartment. Watch this. You go in an apartment and you go, you know what? I would really like a new stove. I'm going to go out and spend my money on a new stove to put in this apartment. Right? Oh, this rental car is nice. I'm going to put some beat in it. Put some 22s on there on this rented car? No. You're not going to do that. But watch this. If you own a house or you own a car and something goes wrong with it, you're going to fix it because you're taking ownership, because you poured your life into it. Well, you guys know your life is your money because that's what you spend most of your life making. Eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. It's a lot of life that I got behind this money, and it's not always about money. So when somebody asks me for money, they're asking for part of my life. You see what I'm saying? And, and God says, listen, wherever you're investing, whatever your treasure is, that where your heart will be also. God wants you to invest in his kingdom so that your heart will be there also, not just other parts of your body. Because we don't find it hard just to come to church and sit. And then leave. 
I'm going to tell you one. I'm just going to tell you a secret. These are pastor secrets, all right? Pastor secrets. You know how I can tell when people are invested when I talk to them? They always say, your church. Well, they're not invested. But I talk to people, and it's like I, I almost have to check myself because I'm like, you, wait, wait a minute, wait. Because they're like, look, at my church, I, I, this is what I want to do, and this, this is my church and my, our church. And this. when they start doing it, I'm like, okay, you obviously have invested something into this place for you to take ownership. Their heart is here because that's where their treasure is. Week two, la segunda semana, we found out about the test. You guys remember the test? And then you don't remember. What test? You guys have to understand when we, we took a test just a couple of days ago, today's the fifth. There was a test for a lot of us that happened on the first. If you missed the test, I'm sorry. But this test that happens to all of God's believers, this test that happens is the test of who are you going to give thanks to or who are you going to worship first? See, some of us, when we get paid, we decide we want to worship Visa first or MasterCard our car note, our house note, our mortgage. You guys remember what mortgage means, right? Death grip, for some of you didn't know. We're, all of us are looking to have a mortgage. It was like, man, we made it. If you get a mortgage, you're like, that means I'm owning something. But literally, the word means death grip. It comes from the Latin word mort, which means death, like mortuary. And then gauge, which means grip, to gauge, to have a gauge, a grip on something. So you put two together, it's death grip, mortgage, death grip. And see, a lot of us don't realize that because we just, the, the first thing we do when we get paid, we're looking to pay bills. Even some of us like to pay ourselves. Like, man, I can't wait to get paid because as soon as I get paid, I'm going to go get that dress. I'm going to go get those J's. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. We do that ourselves. But watch this. I need to tell you that Visa, MasterCard, Macy's, uh, New York and Company, Target, Walmart, whoever you're paying does not have the power to prosper your life. But it definitely has the power to make you a slave. Yeah. It says in the Bible that, you know, once you, you, once you become a, a, a borrower, you are now a slave to the lender. Malachi chapter 3 says this, I am the Lord your God, I do not change. And he was talking this about the tithe. He said that the tithe is mine. Donald gave an illustration that really hit me when I was a young Christian that we learned last week. It said, shall a man rob God? Like, God, how am I stealing from you? He says, no, I didn't say you stole from me. I said you robbed me. And the big difference between burglary and, which is stealing and robbing is that you have to forcibly take something from somebody when you rob them, such as at gunpoint or what they call a strong arm robbery, Penal Code 211, by the way. <laughs> so God says, you are literally robbing me. And he says, how am I robbing you, God? God, 
of tithes and offerings. Now, I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, how many people believe the word of God for salvation? How many people the word, believe the word of God for healing? How many believe that the word of God will bring you life and life more abundantly? If you believe that the word of God is spirit and life, say amen. amen. Then why do we have such a hard time believing the word of God when it comes to tithing? Ah, yeah, I need to share some things with you guys. It's, it's difficult because at that point, we are so in love and so worried about money that we don't follow the word of God. And the Bible says that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches enter into your lives, chokes the word out of you. Who's the word? Is God. It's Jesus. It chokes the word out of you, becoming unfruitful, which means you will not bear the fruits of the Spirit. Because we're so worried about our finances. So God is telling us that the tithe belongs to him. And you can believe all my words. I don't change. He says, I don't change. I wanted you to bring your tithes then. I need you to bring your tithes now. Statistically, I do have to say that statistically in the church over across America, 20%, 20% of people that go to church are tithers. 20%. 20%. That's kind of like you going to work, and out of 100 people, only 20 people are doing the work, and you're one of the 20 doing the work, while the rest of them are sitting there enjoying the, the gifts and benefits that you're getting, but you're the one that's working. Can I make it personal? Is that okay? I don't know. Somebody, somebody tell me where you work. Somebody tell me where you work. Give me, give me a place. Just anybody. Shout out where you work. Part, partnership, right? You work at partnership. Okay, there's 100 people. I'm just using the number because it's easy for math. You got 100 people. Okay, and you got to answer the phones, you got to file away stuff, you got to do everything, right? You're doing all the work, you're doing all the work, and there's like 20 people that are doing all the work. And you turn and look and you see 80 people that on payday are receiving everything you're receiving, and they're sitting there and they're talking about work. They'll still show up to work, but they're sporadically, and then they'll come in. But yet when it's payday, they're getting paid. They're reaping the benefits of your hard work. I wish somebody would hear me. I'm talking, let me talk to somebody over here. Do I need to come down? Because I, I need you guys to understand this. So you have somebody that's working really hard and somebody that ain't working hard at all. So it's like nobody's doing anything, but you got 20% of the people doing all the work and 80% of the people that are not, right? But the 80% of the people are still enjoying and reaping the benefits of the 20% that's doing the work. You know, there's a word for that. It's called fornication. I'll be back. There's a word for that. It's called fornication. You know what fornication is? It's receiving the benefits of a commitment without being committed. People say, well, isn't fornication having sex before marriage? Yeah, but sex is a benefit of being married. So if you receive the benefit of being married without being married, you're a fornicator. So you fornicate. That's why God used to call his people adulterers because he was married to Israel but yet they were going to seek other gods. So you are adulterer because you're married to God. He called us fornicators. He, he's talking to the church. Why are we fornicators? It wasn't naturally, spiritually. We were fornicators. Why? Because we come in and enjoy the benefits, but we don't have a commitment. Because committed people are going to do what it takes to stay committed. You guys get this? 
I'm not beating you up. I'm really not beating you up. I'm trying not to beat you up. But you know what? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God would go so much further if everybody pulled their own weight. I'm being dead serious. I know we got a lot of work to do here in Susun. I just thank God that he, just, he gave us Susun and we don't live in Fairfield. Fairfield got a hundred and something thousand people. We just got 30. I was like, thank you, Lord. It's so much easier. I was just, I was, we were in Roseville and I was talking to a pastor that's in Sacramento and I was telling him how we do the blessing of the blue and how we bless the, the police department. And he's looking at me like, Dude, there's no way we could do that. Because Sacramento Police Department is huge. And I'm like, oh, no, we got like 28 employees. <laughs> we're, we ain't just blessing the police. We're doing the dispatch and the, the secretaries. We're blessing all them over there. But I thank God. But because of, listen, because we have 20% of people here, 20%. Look at the work of God we've been doing. I almost didn't want you to clap. It's a shame. It's a shame. 20% of the people tied. That's 10%. Can you imagine if we just moved it to 50? The work and the impact we could have on this city. I'm trying to tell you guys right now. I mean, just me being a pastor and and having a church open is, is one thing. But if you're new here, you don't know anything about us. We go out into our community. And we don't do toxic charity. We're out there trying to preach the gospel. Yeah. We're showing love to people. We're showing love to the teachers. We're showing love in, in, uh, to, to the government, to the mayor, to the city supervisor, to our police departments. And it's gotten us favor. And we need favor to win the city over. Yeah. Not to get things we want, but get things that God wants. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I'm trying to tell you, if you got, it's up to you. You can be a part of this, this revival. It's, it would be good to say, man, I sewed into that movement that happened in Susun, and I was a part of the Building Christian Fellowship, and you could say it with a pure heart because you know you did it, or you could be sitting there lying. <laughs> Stolen valor. <laughs> Only military guys know what that means. So, right. Anyway, back, back, back. So the title of today's message is, Soyo Generoso. Am I generous? Am I generous? Before we get into our topic, I want you to understand something. God created us to be blessed. No con suerte. Not lucky. He created us blessed. But see, from a fleshly perspective, most people, including us Christians, Want our cups overflowing. Can I get an amen? amen? We want our cups to overflow so that we can live a convenient and comfortable life. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm just saying right now, if I were to give you, if I give you $500,000 right now, it'd change your life. Come on, somebody. Come on. If I had a million dollars right here sitting on top of this table right now, you would run to come get it. Amen. You know why? Because it would change your life. Life will become a little more convenient and comfortable, right? And if I had this million dollars sitting here, you'd do anything to get to it. One person, who said amen? You, you was honest. Somebody give her a million dollars. 
a million dollars. First person up here getting a million dollars. You guys don't believe me, right? And it's the same exact way, the same thing when God himself said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that my house may be filled. Try me and see that I won't pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Knowing's half the battle. We all want to be comfortable. Can't lie. Comfort and convenience sounds good, but I need to let you know as a side note, comfort, convenience, and luxury is not found in the Bible concerning Christians. We need to understand it's that our comfort and, and our, our convenience, it, it, it pulls us further away from God. Can, can I tell you that it was, it was that person that left your life, that person that walked out on you, that person that lied and cheated and stole from you? It was that diagnosis of death. It was that bad grade. It was that, that broken relationship that put you on your knees. And see, a lot of us, a lot of times as Christians, we get on our knees and we start seeing nothing but ourselves. So we always, why, why, why? When God says, listen, I could use that diagnosis of death. I could use that issue that caused you to look for tissues to bring you closer to me. And see, while we're down here crying and we're like, man, God, what we're supposed to be doing is seeking the feet of God. Because when your head is down, you see the feet of Jesus. The problem is we're so busy sitting up looking for God's hand because in his hand, what does he have? Blessings. He has the things that we need. God, uh, bless me with a house. Bless me with a job. Bless me with a car. Bless me with a husband. Bless me with a wife. When God says, stop searching my hand, this situation I have you in will have you down on all fours. It breaks you and brings you to your knees so that you can seek me and find my feet. As I said earlier, when you're on your knees is a perfect time to worship. Because when you're on your knees and looking down, you can't see anything. But God says, I'm seeking for one that will worship me in spirit and truth. As you're down on your knees and your head bowed, not to your problem, but to reverence of a mighty God, God's going to show up and all of a sudden you're going to see a pair of feet and some sandals. Manicured. Pedicured. And as you're on your knees, a hand's going to reach down to you, not to bless you, but to pick you up, to bring you into his face. Because when you're his face is when you receive the peace. You'll be right there in his face. Still got cancer. Still got heart disease. That person still ain't in my life. My child's still acting crazy, but I'm in the face of God because it's in your presence that there is fullness of joy. It's, it's in your presence, God, that I can understand what's going on for you give me strength. And, and as I'm seeking his face, as, as I'm trying to look and know who he is, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, I'm being made conformable unto Jesus Christ is when his hands find me because he'll wrap me in his arms. 
that's when we will get to understand that these problems aren't an issue unless we try to take them on ourselves. We can't be looking for comfort. It's the incomfortability in the inconvenient times that draws us to the feet of Christ. God really created us to be a blessing. And to be a blessing, we have to be blessed. You can't bless nobody unless you've been blessed. And please stop looking at your blessing as amounts. There's so many times people say, I don't have enough to bless anybody. You got something to bless them. See? If you ain't got no money in your pocket, you might have a word in your mouth. Ladies, when's the last time you walked up on somebody you didn't know and just told them how pretty they look? Try doing it to somebody you don't like. That hurt right there. Didn't it, Nay? Nay, did it hurt? It hurt, Nay. Like, God, I got to bless them? I'd rather give them money. So easy when we're blessing people we like or we love or people we care for, somebody that maybe you don't even know them. It's so easy. But go find somebody that's done did you wrong. Can I just be honest? Go bless somebody you jealous of. It got quiet. Don't think I'm thinking that you guys, well, I'm not jealous of anybody. I'm happy. You're jealous of somebody. You do some real soul searching. There's people that you know those people that I just don't like them. You know those people? We just don't like it. I just don't get along with them. You know what it is? You're jealous of them. Search your heart. Search your heart. Some about them that you don't like because there's a quality in them that you desire. And you ain't got it. You bet. You know what you're gonna. At the end of the day, you're gonna hate me for telling you the truth. God wants us to fulfill what He's created for us, and that is to be a blessing. But because of the curse, we have to work for our blessings in order to be, in order to be blessed, and to turn around and be a blessing for somebody else. You know, work is part of the curse. When Adam messed up, God gave it. That was part of the curse. Now you got to go out there and work the field. You got to toil in the field. You got to work in order to be blessed. So when we all get to heaven, we can all get mad at Adam. Amen? Amen. That's a Christian joke. Suppose laugh at that, Christians. (laughs) Somebody say blessed. Say it like you mean. Somebody say blessed. Blessed. We are. We're blessed, not lucky. We are blessed, not lucky. So fortune cookies, horseshoes, four-leaf clovers, rabbit's feet, horoscopes. It should be horoscopes. Don't ask me, so pastor, what are you, cancer? No, I'm Christian. My sign is the cross. There's a reason why it's called astrology. He got it just now. 
pastor's out there cussing. No. You're a donkey if you follow it. Too many of us in here right now use our money that we really don't have playing a game of luck in which the odds are stacked against us. It boggles my mind. Now, I believe in luck. Some, I'm, please, listen. I believe in luck because there's some people that win like the lottery, the most ungodly people. The only way they can win it is because of luck. I'm like, no, God is not with them. There is no way God is with them. That had to be luck. Right? So, but people, literally, I've known people in my life that have taken the, what little bit they had, just enough to pay a light bill, and turn around and will go, if I just take this money, my light bill money, and go over here and roll some dice, play blackjack, I could turn around, flip that money, and end up playing my light bill and my water note. Why would you depend upon luck? I think that's a shame when Christians depend upon a lifestyle of living the lucky life. However, I want to declare to you today that living a blessed life is even better than trying to live lucky. I want you to put that in your spirit. Why bank on chance when you can bank on guarantees? Stop banking on chance. Stop thinking, well, if I, don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm not trying to get on any of those heads that play the lottery. Don't do, I'm, I want you to be a faithful church member and server of God. And once you win the lottery, we'll celebrate together. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, million dollars fell with two. You go ahead and win that 230-some million dollars. We building a church when that happens. Come on, somebody. We're really going to, then Fairfield going to be mad because we're going to start winning people for Jesus in Fairfield. I'm just joking. <laughs> but seriously, though, we, we, to be lucky is one thing. To be blessed is another. But God said, try me and see. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. He didn't say, try me and this might happen. He said, try me and see. I've seen way too many saints that even when they are earthly broke, still keep their covenant with God, and I have watched them. Did I watch them get broke off a bunch of money? No, but I watched what it meant to rebuke the devourer for their sake. I have watched people literally. I'm like, wait, when's the last time you changed the oil in this car? Because there is no oil in this car. How long have you been riding around on these tires? These are faithful people of God. God has rebuked the devourer. Do you know what the devourer is? It's age. It's time. It's things that literally will wear out and should wear out. God says, I will rebuke it for your sake. Do you realize that in the, in, when the children of Israel were walking around in, in, the, in the wilderness that they didn't have to go get new clothes? Because God rebuked the devourer. They're 40 years. Some of y'all can't keep a pair of shoes for two months. Especially. See, that's what I need to be thinking. I said, I'm like, I'm not spending $200 on no Jordans because they're going to be worn out in two months. But I need to be thinking spiritually because I'm a covenant keeper. 
I should go buy me a pair of J's. They're going to last me 40 years. Oh, hallelujah. Watch this. Genesis chapter 5, 1 through 2 says, This is the book of genealogy of, of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. So we see from the day that man was created, he created us to be blessed. But because of Adam's disobedience, somebody say disobedience. Some of you just were disobedience by not repeating it. Because of disobedience, we are under a curse. A curse happens. It's a result of wrong actions. It isn't somebody that waves a wand and says something crazy. We curse ourselves because we're disobedient. If you steal, you're under a curse. If you lie, if you cheat, you're under a curse. It's a result of a wrong action. So when we go against the word of God, we put ourselves under a curse. And because we did that, God had to create a way for us to be like him, to get his DNA back into us. And that is called generosity. God created generosity, created giving so that we could be like him. Do you guys realize that God is a giving God? Watch this. There's this word that we all want, forgiveness. See, we, we didn't put the word give in there. We, forgive means to give you something before you need it. God so loved the world that he his only begotten son. He gave us love before we loved him. That's why it says we could love him because he first loved us. See, if God never loved us, we wouldn't have love to give back to him. That's why he knew to love us first so that we could turn around and love him. So this is what's happening. God created us to be blessings, and he wants us to be blessed. And he says, if you want to be a blessing, you got to learn how to bless people. When we give, we become a blessing, and God in turn makes sure that we are blessed. Turn with me to John chapter 12, 1 through 5. I'm going to finish up here. It says, then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of her spinknard ointment, and, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And in the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in. Ain't that a shame? But we look at this and we read our scriptures and we find this out. The questions that we have for these two scriptures. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift? Or why would she give such a generous gift? And then the other question is, why would Judas get so upset about it? Why would Judas judge her worship? Why do we judge other people's worship? If you look under the layers of this text, you will see two types of hearts that are revealed. You see, number one, a selfish heart, and number two, you see a heart of generosity. 
But here's the key thing. This is a test. And it was one test to reveal two hearts. You know what that test was? Giving. You could reveal what kind of heart you have by giving. You could, you could realize you have a selfish heart, or you could realize you have a generous heart. So now when I ask you guys, am I generous, I'm not asking you to look at me and say, yeah, pastor's generous. I'm asking you to ask yourself, am I a generous person? This is a, a question that we need to be asking ourselves constantly because we could be generous one moment and stingy and selfish the next. There's this big enemy to generosity, and it's called selfishness. I need you to understand that selfishness begins with an S, and so does Satan. And the motto of Satanism is this, do what thy will. You know, when you get your money, it's all about, I made it, so I'm going to do what I want to with it. You just live in the motto of Satanism. You guys, you guys remember the show called Hoarders? You ever watch that? You guys are like, how can somebody do something like that? Right? Well, really, we're all hoarders. We have some hoarder in us. And, and when I say that, I'm saying that because we have been taught to get all we can get, hold on to everything we need to hold on to, and the one at the end of the day who has the most toys and stuff is the one that wins. That's what it is. It's all about I'm getting cars, getting houses, getting this, getting that. And some of us lie to ourselves and say that we're getting this to bless the next two generations of our family. That's not the truth. The truth is I, I got, this, I got this, uh, this motorcycle for me. I wasn't thinking about my grandson. I got it to enjoy. Listen, that flies in the face of our old man, you know. We, we have to understand, we are born selfish. We need to be born again generous. Born selfish, we need to be born again generous. Generosity is a major tool in killing our old man. Every time we operate in generosity, we put another nail in the coffin of our old man. We have to renew our minds. Selfishness comes natural. We are born with it. A study was done that the third word that most kids learn is mine. 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 Unfortunately, it's a word that most people don't lose either. I know some people 40 years old still talking about mine. <laughs> it wasn't funny. It's like I, some of y'all, I said it this morning. <laughs> mine is one of the first words we learn as a child. We've understood the meaning of mine since we were 14 months old. Its definition is ingrained in us. And because we know the word mind so well, I believe this is why God used it when he described the tithe. He says, it is mine. There ain't no way that we can mix that up because we understand mine. mine. Right? We understand mine. And God says, because you understand it, let me use a word that you will understand. The tithe, 10%. Of all your increase is mine. And if you take what's mine, you're a thief. The Bible tells us that no thieves or adulterers or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. So looking back at verse 5, good old, our good old boy Judas says, 
Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This scripture describes a selfish heart. Judas at first may have sounded like he cared for the poor, and people were like, oh, the poor people. You wasted it on Jesus. Jesus could have just snapped his finger and made some oil. We could have sold that oil and got all the money, and we could have went out and fed the poor. That's not what Judas meant. As I said earlier, Judas, it revealed Judas' heart. Judas was the one that kept the money. He just knew if we could have sold that, I would have had more money that I could have basically embezzled. So don't you feel sorry for it. Mary had an extravagant heart. She had a heart to give. She had an extravagant generosity in her life. She wanted to show the Lord how much she appreciated him. You have to understand that people that are generous are people that are thankful. Most people that aren't generous, they're not thankful about anything. I've seen people come and they're like, man, what can I do for the Lord? I'm like, well, you're doing so much already. They're like, no, I don't feel like I could do enough for him because I love him. I know what he's done for me. I know where he delivered me from. You don't know where I was at when he found me. I want to give back to God that which he's given back to me. I want to serve him with all my mind, all my heart, and all my soul. What can I do to be a blessing, to be generous? And there we see three levels of giving. We see the tithe, offering, and extravagant offering. I said to you earlier that 95% of Christians never will even reach the first one. 95% of Christians will not ever tithe. And you'll never do the other two until you first tithe. We first must tithe, learn to give the offering. These are the two things that we've stolen from God as he said, you robbed me from tithes and offerings. And he also said, there's an extravagant offering, a sacrificial giving. And then there's a reward. Anybody want, like rewards? I like rewards. You work out hard, your reward is you look good. You wear tight sleeve shirts. I'll let you, let you touch that later. <laughs> Praise God. Mark chapter 14, 9, it says, Surely I say to you, listen to this very closely. We're talking about this woman here. Surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. There is not one person in here that has heard the gospel that doesn't know about Mary. Why? Because she was generous. Her worship is known. So you can't preach the gospel without mentioning Jesus, but he's saying you got to mention Mary. Her giving, her generosity. So now when we mention Mary, she's not remembered for her sin. She's remembered for her generosity. Wow. Proverbs 20, 22 one says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and, long, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Mary gave such an extravagant offering because of a few months earlier, Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. She was grateful. Generosity comes from gratitude. Grateful people are generous. Ungrateful people are stingy. And God always rewards generosity. And people are saying, well, what is generosity? 
It's giving without expecting anything in return. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to be seeking God by doing his word, doing his will, and doing his way. God rewards us. It's not the amount, it's the attitude of our heart that God rewards. As I bring this to a close, you cannot be until you are willing to become. You cannot be until you're willing to become. You cannot be blessed until you're willing to become a blessing. And some people are like, God, you just give me something so I could be a blessing. No, that's not how it works. God has already given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. You have everything you need. Be a blessing with that. And then as you become a blessing, God will make sure that you are blessed. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Who wants to be wealthy? Well, then give freely. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, them themselves will be refreshed. I would like to think that all of us as Christians want to become mature, known as mature Christians, not just babes. You know, people say, I'm just a babe in the Lord. All of us at one day want to be mature. And Paul speaks to this maturity for Christians. He said, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need some to teach you again the first principles and oracles of God, such as tithing. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. We are at this point, saints, that if you're not doing the word of God, you are not a mature Christian. No parent in here would speak of their kids and mention them as being mature if they never listen to what you tell them to do. My children became mature when they did what they knew to do without me telling them to do it. This is what you do. You clean your room. You do this. You do that. Do this. Mow the lawn. Take out the garbage. I tell them. They know it. If I have to continue to tell them to do it and remind them to do it and they're not doing it, I will not refer to them as mature. If their maturity comes when they start doing the things that I ask them to do without me asking them or following behind them, that's when I say, my kids are so mature. They're grown. They're acting like adults. Don't you want to be known like that as Christians? That a pastor or God doesn't have to keep reminding you to just do the normal, ordinary baby steps, but we keep having to be reminded? That's what Paul's saying. Why do I have to come back and keep saying the same things to you over and over again? By now, you should actually be teaching people. But you can't give what you haven't gotten. So today we must ask ourselves, am I generous? And your answer can only be yes if you give extravagantly. God wants an extravagant offering today. 
And that is the gift, extravagant gift of your heart. I know some of y'all right now are getting ready to bring out your checkbook. And God bless you for it. But the most extravagant gift he can get right now is your heart. So many people can just, it's easy for them to give money, but it's harder for them to give your heart. Just give him your heart today if you haven't already. God is calling for that extravagant gift. Once he has your heart, he can get the rest of you. Don't come give him your problems. Come and give him you. Amen? Am I generous? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.